Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Every high school football player dreams of taking the field on Saturdays. But how do the legends we see on game day get to the collegiate level? Well, my next guest lays it out right here. It's time for the College Football Legends Podcast. The players. We're going to hit somebody and we're taking down the field for a touchdown. I guarantee you that. The coaches. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The plays. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. And so much more. College football legends. Heroes come and go, but legends live forever. Believe in college football legends on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Chris Smith. The NFL season is in full swing, and even though you might not be at the game, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. Plus, there's always that online casino as well. The best part about it, it never closes. You can play 24-7. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Every year, we see the athletes put on the cap of their favorite university and sign their letter of intent. But how do they get from Friday Night Lights to being a star on Saturday? Well, here to break it all down is my special guest on the show, Coach Robert Cagle, VP and National Scouting Director for the National Scouting Report. Thanks for joining me, Coach. Thanks for having me, man. I'm enjoying, uh, enjoying how opportunity to be with you today, and uh, hope our listeners can get, glean something special from this uh, from this time together. I'm sure they will. And you got a really interesting background prior to NSR. You declined the Cincinnati Reds offer and signed with Ole Miss to play football. Tell me about your uh, time there at Oxford. Oh man! So you know, I was always I was a, I was a big guy, Chris. Well, I still am a big guy. You know, but, <laughs> I hear but, you. Uh, you know, coming out of high school, you, you're that six foot three, six foot four guy that plays football weight at about two eighty, and then you, you you know you cut weight and try to play baseball at about two sixty, and you always had speed and you always had gait. So I had to make a decision, um, and it, you know, and the decision was: look, I'd rather play my natural weight, you know, and love the game of playing football instead of having to always ride a bus and figure out how to stay on a diet all the time. Because I have the rest of my life to do that. So we went to, we went to the football thing. My time at Ole Miss in the 80s, it was phenomenal. I mean, you know, we had a great time being there. There was Coach Brewer was our head coach. Uh, Robert Youngblood was, was one of our coaches, Coach McGraw. Uh, those guys are just, you know, phenomenal uh, player coaches back in the day. And, they, and you fell in love with them as, per, as people – and you wanted to play for that guy that was that was special that was coaching you. So that was uh, my time there was good. Had three really good seasons of playing, and then I had a back injury, broke three vertebrae, and tore a bunch of stuff up in my back. And the week we played LSU in practice that week, and so my career came to a came to a screeching halt on a cold day in November, 1988. And uh, so that's that's the story, man. That's the story. Then I had a chance to to be moved over on the. On the on the recruiting side, as a as a student assistant GA kind of staff member, uh, and that's where I cut my teeth on recruiting and scouting back in the day in the, in the late eighties and going into ninety. And then you also did a little uh, coaching in Alabama. Why did you choose the scouting route after? So, a friend of mine, and, and which was the president of, of at the time the private school there here here locally, and one of the private schools, and 
and somebody we had known, he played at Troy, Coach Tommy Wiseman, which is now the head coach at Faulkner University. Oh. Um, and so, which actually is where he hired my son. My son is now an assistant coach for him at Faulkner University up in uh, uh, up in Montgomery, Alabama. But Tommy approached me, and at the time, you know, our son was, was about to get to a point of being in middle school, and he knew I had coached and had a passion for that part of it and, and so he said you know what about what about you know getting on the field again you know what about coming out and so I went back out and, and spent about seven or eight years coaching as an assistant for the high school there but at uh, the private school and we had some good runs with coach Wasden and some good kids and it was just a great time and while I was doing that I was also started at, at doing the stuff with, with NSR and started doing things with scouting and and helping young people you know not only at our school but other schools throughout the the South at the time, and even throughout the nation. So it's kind of that that story uh, is a good one. You know, it was a great time of coaching, and kept me kept me in tune with what was going on with all the young people, and uh, kept me tuned in with the high schools of, of in the state of Alabama, Southern Mississippi, and it was a it was a fun time to, to be there. Anyway, that was in the you know that was in the 2007 2012 13 range somewhere along in there. And then you get to NSR, and uh, well, say I'm a potential football recruit. What's my first step? I'm a, I'm about six two, defensive tackle, around three bills, run a five flat forty, all in one day. I might add. Uh, what's my first step? You know, the the first thing for every athlete is to to number one, get evaluated uh, and understand truly where you are uh, when it comes to skill sets and 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 understanding kind of what level you fit. You know, we. Um, I think that's the number one problem today with 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 the scouting recruiting world. You know, you've got these online services that are they're busy ranking athletes and giving them star rankings and you know percentage rankings and all that kind of stuff. Percentiles oh, sure. and, and the thing is, is that all those all those rankings that the general public may not understand this have absolutely nothing to do with the kids' true skill set. It's all about if the kid claims they've got an offer from a division one school, whether it be FBS or FCS, that ranking or that, that's that organization automatically drapes two stars on that athlete. But the thing is, Chris is, is that 90% of all offers that are extended that you read about in media and newsprint are not committable offers. They're not offers that people can do. So let's go really? back to what your original question was. The original question you asked me was I'm six, two, three bills, defensive guy you got to get evaluated. you got to understand what your true skills are, and you have to understand that just because you're 6'2 and 3 bills doesn't mean that you're going to play in a Power 5 conference somewhere. Uh, only 1% of the athletes that play uh, high school football will get a chance to play at the Division One level, whether it be FCS or FBS. Wow. It doesn't matter. And only 45 to 5% of the kids that play are going to get a chance to play at any level collegiately, regardless of, of – whether it's D1, D2, NAIA, Division Three, or junior college. And so that piece of the, of the puzzle, most people go into it. Yeah, they dominate their pond, you know, in their high school, in their league, their, their region, their area. They dominate, do, do a nice job. But college coaches aren't <laughs> – they're not fishing out of a pond. <laughs> they got the whole ocean. Of, yeah, they're fishing out of an international ocean to find the athletes they want to recruit. And so, therefore, just because you're good where you are doesn't mean you're going to be the best that they're going after. And so, you know, you take Coach Saban or, or Urban Meyer when he was at Ohio State, or you take, uh, I mean, Kirby Small. I mean, take any of these guys. I mean, 
you look on rivals.com or sports two four seven and they'll say that they've got uh you know they'll they'll be thirty they'll be they'll be eighty kids in a graduating class that'll say that they've got offers from from uh, let's just take University of Alabama for example. And and those guys does it take Nick Saban eighty kids to offer to get the twenty five he actually wants? And the answer is no. Absolutely so not. There's there's a lot of bad misinformation that's get put it gets put out there because the media can't validate with the coaching staff prior to National Signing Day mm. if it's a legitimate, committable offer or if it was just a camp offer. In other words, come on to camp, you're an offer kind of kid, we'll see how you do at camp. And that that get, that kid takes that, Chris, and then all of a sudden they're putting out on Rivals, at 247, and calling, they're just putting it out on their social media, the tw- on Twitter. Oh, I see it every day. Ble- ble- yeah, blessed to get an offer today from Kentucky. Well, you didn't get an offer from Kentucky. You got a camp invite to Kentucky that told you if you show up at camp and you do well that you might get a you might get an offer. If the coach didn't ask you, hey, are you willing to commit today to University of Pick One? It's not a committable offer, and that's what kids don't understand and families don't understand. So, number one, go back to your question: get evaluated, get someone that does it every day for a living, not your high school coach. Uh, not not somebody that coached 30 years ago that was on a staff. Get somebody that deals with and talks to college coaches every day and has a finger on the pulse of what's going on to evaluate that. That's what we do. Uh, we don't charge families for evaluations. We'll be glad to evaluate any kid anytime uh, on film. Look at them and see what uh, see what kind of see what we we feel like where they fit. Now you, know, you put them through the drills. What what goes into the evaluation? We, we, if we're local, if we got a scout local close by, we'll be glad to put them through personal drills and, and be a hands-on approach. If it's not, then we take video or film, just like every college coach does, because we're sure. all trained to do that. Tear the video down and then turn around and take it through. It may not be just a highlight reel. You know, anybody looks good on highlight. So get me the you know, get me the full game film and let's take and see what it does when the ball is not on your hand. Now let's find out when the play's going away what you're doing. And those are the kind of things that are important for us is to get evaluated first. That evaluation is key, and that's the one thing that will hurt most kids' feelings is when you start tearing the evaluation down, be honest with them and candid. And it doesn't mean that a kid, Chris, can't, you know, just because he's not good enough to play at Oregon doesn't mean that he's not good enough to play football in college. It sure. just means he's not good enough to play there. Well, it's all and, those Division One dreams, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and that's the piece of it. I had, I had a kid several years ago. We sat down together. And, you know, this was a six foot two, 235 pound defense tackle. And, you know, he had made all state a couple of times here in the state of Alabama. And I don't know, I guess our high school football is not slouchy in the state of Alabama. I wouldn't, say it <laughs> I wouldn't think so. so. Yeah, exactly. But he looked at me and said, Well, coach, if I can't play at the University of Alabama, I'm not going to play football in college. Uh oh. And I just, I kind of sat back in my seat with him, you know, because we had evaluated him, looked at him. And, and I said, Well, son, if, if that's the case, then you're not going to play football in college. And he just sat there, and I said, that doesn't mean you can't play somewhere, but your skill set, your size, your tangibles, all the things that the box requires you to fit. University of Alabama, power fives, pick one of them, any one of them, they don't have to go outside the box. There's a thousand of you sitting around for one spot, and they'll find the one they want when we put it in front of them the right way. Yeah, so tell me about a time that a kid was good enough but didn't build a recruiting profile and take all the necessary steps and wasn't recruited or gotten an offer from a school. You know, it's kind of funny. People could go online right now if they wanted to, and they could Google Coach Robert Cagle, good enough is good enough. 
they could literally Google that. There's a three-minute video out there, I guess three to four-minute video, where I talk about a kid that set all the records in the state of Tennessee passing six foot two, six three, ten or fifteen pound quarterback with four six speed. But at the end of the day, and his dad was also his coach, and uh, they just sat around thinking if they were good enough, they were going to be found, and mm-hmm. you know that coaches are just going to come out of the woodwork to find you. Well, that's not the way this works. There's not the way it works. Coaches go where they know the kids are that they can play, and they'll go see those kids, and they'll recruit those kids there. If they don't know you, you're a ghost. And there's only one way to be known, and that's to be able to get your information in front of coaches from credible sources uh, that they trust and that they know, and that's the whole deal. And look, for those of us been around sports for – I mean, I've been coaching it now for 30 years and been around, those, obviously, 45 or 47 of my 52 years of life. The deal is the NBA recruits, scouts, evaluates, makes decisions on players from trusted sources. Major League Baseball, the scouting system there does the same thing. You know, some some kid that just shows up out of the blue one day don't get a chance. That kid's going to have been evaluated 16 ways a Sunday before he gets a chance. And that's where we are right now in college football, too. The evaluation process is a very, very long process. It's going to take time, and it's got to be done the right way. You're not going to get it just by thinking you're going to throw your name out on Twitter and get picked up. That's not the way that works. They want to talk to somebody they trust and they know, the coaches that is, to make a decision. Is this even a kid we're going to put on the table to have a discussion about recruiting at our next recruiting meeting on Monday morning at 8 o'clock? That's the way that works. That makes total sense. And we're speaking with Coach Robert Kegel, VP and National Scouting Director for the National Scouting Report. So what goes into building a recruiting profile? You know, for us at National Scouting Report, it, it, first of all, it starts with evaluation. And, and that evaluation means that we, you know, we get that evaluation with a kid. If we like the athlete, we feel like we can play somewhere. And, of course, we'll sit down with that family and, and really take them through the ins and the outs of the whole process, what they need to do, when they need to do it. And then if, if we decide we want to offer that family an opportunity to be a part of NSR, then we'll, we'll offer that family an opportunity. And that family would hire us to do our job because that's what our scouts do is then put them through a very thorough, methodical, analytical process to get them in front of all the coaches in a very real-time way because of the relationships that we have with the coaches. Now, there's any number. Uh, that's just the way we do it, and that's the right way to do it because if a kid can't play dead in the Western, there's no reason to have a profile, okay? Exactly. I mean, play. I mean if a kid can't play, there's no reason to have a profile. Don't waste everybody's time. These, Exactly. You got all these free online profile sites and companies that out there that doesn't have the first individual that re, that evaluates a kid before they talk recruiting. Well, if you can't play dead in the western, there's no reason to have that script because we ain't gonna talk about recruiting as we say in the south. We're just not gonna talk about recruiting unless you can play. Now, if you can play, let's talk about it. But there are plenty of these quote-unquote online sites that are out there that kids do try to use to you know whether they try to do it themselves or their parents try to do it but the problem with those is there's no there's no credibility and there's no evaluation to first determine if the kid truly has ability to play and then there's no third party having a conversation that's an advocate for the kid to tell that coach about that athlete you know look if I spit off some names here, just just that you don't know, but if I say O.J. Howard, you know who that is. Sure. If I say Landry Jones, you know who Landry is. Absolutely. If I say Heinz Ward or Bradley Bozeman or Jay Prosh, guess what? Those were all my NSR athletes with the exception of Heinz. He was not. He was one of somebody else's athletes at NSR. We saw those kids, worked with them when they were in high school, helped them with their profiles, made contacts with college coaches, 
And those cats are playing in the league or already played in the league. And then not everybody gets that level, but because that's that small percentage. Now, the rest of the kids we work with, about a third of them we would choose to work with will be uh, because of our connections will end up being Division One kind of kids. The rest of them, those others are going to be those D2, NAI, Division Three, junior college kids that are that deserve the opportunity to play too, but nobody knew who they were. And that's where we get in the process with, with helping them get to the next level. And as a former academic All-American, is there uh, ACT and SAT prep available too? The, the bottom line is for us, Chris, yes. Every kid needs to understand the, the necessity of ACT, SAT prep and getting that preparation done. I know at National Scouting Report, we believe in it so much so that we created a partnership with an organization to make sure that the ACT, SAT prep is done for these athletes and that they can take care of that. If you think about it, outside of the FBS headcount Division One football, when I refer to headcount, I'm in a school that one scholarship equals one kid fully funded. Okay. Then outside of that, every kid is going to have to depend on athletic money plus scholarship money from academics, leadership, Pell Grants, financial aid, or whatever the deal is to pay for that education. And so ACT, SAT prep, and academics are a huge part, not only in football, but every sport. But especially in football, when you start looking at any program outside of FBS, because FCS Division One, D2, NAI, they're not going to be fully funded headcount. In other words, there's going to be a portion of money that's given for scholarship. And then on the NCAA in, uh, Division Three. It's all going to be scholarship money from academics and leadership uh, and merit-based stuff. It's never going to be anything that has to do with academics or athletics because there's no athletic money at the Division three level. Gotcha. So then what are the top characteristics you look for when scouting a football player? So the number one thing I think every position, as you can imagine, is going to have its own set of uh, uh, criteria to fit in the box that, that coaches are, are recruiting. Sure. Number one, I'm going to tell you this. You know, we always look for size. I mean, size, and then we look for speed. Speed kills, and at the end of the day, that's the stuff that works. You know, you take a big guy that's got good feet, good good hips, good flexibility, and then that kid's got some opportunity. You take a kid that's extremely fast uh, and got great speed, then all of a sudden there's opportunity for him as long as he has decent size. You know, there's just not that many trending holidays in the world, you know, that are, what, five, four, and uh, you know, a buck, buck 65 running a four three three forty. you know, when he was at LSU. I mean, sure. that just, that's crazy. You know, you just don't see those kids very often. And what's unique, though, is what we have to do, too, Chris, is so many high school athletes are so driven by the idea that they're going to put a, put down, they run a four four forty. They focus on, on that, yeah. Come on, man. If we go to the end, <laughs> Chris, if we go do, if we go do the, uh, if we go through the, the whole process of uh, of looking at, at what for the NFL, the combine, and the 313 or 20 kids that they bring in, and you're talking about less than a dozen kids ran a sub five, a sub four five forty, and we got a bunch of high school kids that, that are just in high school saying they run four fours. They don't. I mean, they don't. <laughs> and so, you know, we always have to look at that. A kid's fast, but he's not 4'4 four, four fast, you know? Sure. So those kids are exceptions, and you see them. But size, number one. Speed, number two. Academics, number three. Uh, the next thing's going to be work ethic. It's going to be the, the what they're willing to put in the weight room, what they're willing to put in their heart, and really get after it. Uh, and, the, and the last part of it, in my opinion, is, is always going to be the attitude towards the team and their coaches. Are they coachable? Um that's what every coach talks to me about, every one of our scouts about, you know, those five things right there. 
Well, that's what the coaches are looking for. And going back to speed real quick, I spoke with Heisman winner Eric Crouch, and during his recruiting, many programs wanted to move him to athlete and not as a QB. Why are so many players uh, that are recruited, do they try and change them to an athlete instead of their current position? You know, a lot of that especially happens a lot of times when you got guys that are playing quarterback that are that are really just good athletes, and then but they don't fit the system for the program they're trying to be recruited at. And so, you know, you got a kid that's a really good quarterback, but he's more of an athlete than anything else because of his speed and his ability to run the football or catch the football. You'll see a lot of times that that athlete that maybe five ten, five eleven, he's not what they're looking for to run to run their offense for them and their schematic. Whether it be a drop back pass, pro eye style type offense, or whether it be a uh, RPO type of option of read stuff. But the bottom line is, is the coaches then make a decision that they're going to move that kid off to another spot that fits the program. And a lot of times a kid that's an athlete could be a division one athlete and go there and play as opposed to, well, I'm going to stick in and just stay at quarterback. And uh, well, you know, I might end up being at D2. You want the case in point to take that. Let's take Tim Tebow as an example, unbelievable college quarterback, oh, great yes. college quarterback, my opinion could have been a great professional quarterback, but every, that's just my opinion. But everybody saw him and they wanted to move him to some other position or role, and he didn't want to do that. So he, he tucked his money and, and kept his money and got into broadcasting, and he's, he's made a great life for himself that way. But that's an example of why somebody would do that. And how different is it for JUCO prospects? I'm going to tell you, JUCO is a whole different world, uh, Chris. I mean, it, it's – you know, you, everybody's watched the whole last chance you stuff and, oh, sure. and uh, you know, been on top of that. So it's a different world, you know, and, and depending on the state where you're going to, for the junior colleges, many times it is a, it is a division one breeding ground of, you know, either former division one athletes or potential division one athletes come out of high school that just had academic issues. And they were just, you know, they're just being, we call it academic rehab. They're just being rehabbed <laughs> academically, you know, to get up to par for academics so they can get through the eligibility center or, get their AA so they can qualify to go on to a four-year school. So the football there, depending on the state, can be extremely good quality football. But I'll tell you, man, that's a that's a tough road. I mean, it is a tough road. you got to go somewhere and you got to play. you got to be successful. you got to have good grades. you gotta, you got you to gotta survive without injury for two seasons. Um, it's, that's a tough road. But it is, a, it is a good road for some people. We are speaking with Coach Robert Cagle, VP and National Scouting Director for the National Scouting Report. And are there any coaches who dropped the ball on an elite high school prospect that you worked with? You know, we don't ever want to name names or get into that kind of thing. We don't All have these to. coaches, I think, in high school, are, are, I think they're doing their dead-level best with the best of intention to help these young people get to get to the next level. I think that's the heart of most of the football coaches in high school. Uh, I think it's their desire. They want to see their kids succeed and go to the next level. But over the years, we have. I mean, and, and all that comes from, Chris, is is you, you got a guy that's a great high school football coach that's also an athletic director that also has his own wife and children and, and family. And, and you look around, sure. that Joker's working 70, 80 hours in a week in season, maybe 90 hours a week in season if, you, if he's really working his staff with, with extra film work and getting ready and that kind of stuff in preparation. That guy doesn't have the time to pay attention to what's got to be done to help kids in the recruiting world today. 30 years ago was different. Today it's not the same way. There's got to be direction and it's got to have a plan laid out. And so many of these guys have got just a few connections with some college coaches that just come cruising through their, their locker room, you know, every, every spring or every fall for, you know, a 10-minute visit. 
and they'll kind of go from there. You know, my son was out the other day on the recruiting trail, and, and you know, it's kind of strange. You know, the D1 guys are an extended dead period. They can't go out and recruit. He's at NAI school, and he's going out recruiting, and, and everybody's treating him like he's the, you know, royalty because they haven't <laughs> seen a college they haven't seen a college coach walk through their, their doors in months. Yeah, the attention. And so the point I'm making is is that because the college, my high school coaches are so limited in, in assets, resources, those kind of things to help help kids, they've really got to help. And look, this is no news to the softball world's parents and the ba- and the baseball world's parents and the volleyball world's parents. Those parents have been having to do this and get outside help for years because they needed direction on this stuff. Sure. That's why they got to come to a, a good place like NSR and – Who's the best football prospect you personally worked with or are working with now? Okay. I mean, I'm going to go into history here with, with worked with. I mean, O.J. Howard is probably going to be that kid because when I saw him, you know, his high school coach asked me this between his sophomore and junior year when we started working with him. He said, where can he play? And I said, coach, he can play anywhere he wants to. And he goes, well, I can't get anybody to call me back to talk about him. I said, well, wow. I can. And so – OJ's that guy. You got Bradley Bozeman as well, as, as far as the offensive lineman I've worked with. He's probably as good as anybody. Jay Prosh is probably for, as far as a, a back that was in the back. So we've had some really good ones over the years that, that were there. Of course, we've got some kids that I that are currently playing right now uh, in the in the NCAA piece of it. I'm a little always a little reluctant to to name those kids at the NCAA piece right now, just because it is a violation of NCAA rules. No problem. For them to, yeah, for them to endorse or say anything positive about. Uh, any organization, you know, anything from an endorsement standpoint. So I always come a little reluctant. But, yes, we've got those kids scattered out all over the place. Is it easier or tougher uh, for particular positions? Is, like, is it easier for the quarterback or is it easier for an offensive lineman? Does position matter? Okay, that's a great question, Chris. And I want you to think about this real quick, especially our listeners, as they're, as they're kind of dialing in to, to this answer. Most your NCAA Division One, Division Two programs – and if, well, in fact, all of them are, are pretty much going to carry three deep at the scholarship position at offensive line. They're going to okay. carry three to four deep, three to four deep on scholarship on the defensive side of the football. A lot of players. Now, I want you to think about that. If we got five, if we got two guards, two tackles, and a center, uh, and we're not even going to put the tight end in that role yet, but, but if we have that, that means that we're going to have a minimum of 15 guys on scholarship at the offensive line role, and normally that number crests to 18. Wow. And so so all of a sudden for one, and, and we can't say that every kid is a, you know, a Barrett Walker back in the day at Alabama that could play every position or a Bradley Bozeman that could play tackle, guard, or center, because they're not. But but for the most part, those guys are interchangeable. An offensive lineman is pretty much interchangeable at two, at two spots, you know? Sure. And so – so all of a sudden now you got guys that are say 18 18 spots on that roster of 85 that are going to simply be all offensive linemen. Now that's that's deep on scholarship spot. Then you look at it now outside of that, then you got your defensive guy, defensive line. So those two those two spots are the two most recruitable, in my opinion. There's more of them. More, more spots available, more coaches coming after them every year, that kind of thing. Next thing on that is going to be speed, skills, positions at wide receiver uh, because right now everybody's looking for the big, fast, strong wide receiver. 
Then it's going to go back to your to your outside linebacker, free safety or strong safety outside linebacker, defensive back, cornerback bodies. Then it gets into your running backs, and then finally you get into quarterbacks. Quarterback is going to be the first position they try to fill uh, to begin with. It's the most difficult one. It's the most. It's the one where there's going to be the most attention paid from the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach to make sure that the kid they choose can run their offense, and they're looking for a specific fit. That is the most difficult position outside a kicker or long snapper uh, on the special team side to get a scholarship at because it is so limited as to what that coaching staff is truly looking for for their program. Very interesting. Well, there you have it. If you want to be a scout or an athlete who wants to be recruited, go to the National Scouting Report website at nsr-inc.com. Start your journey. It's not just for football, but every sport, as Coach was talking about. All right. It's time to go. Three and out. It's time to go three and out with Coach Robert Cagle, VP and National Scouting Director for the National Scouting Report. All right, Coach, what one- or two-star football players surprised you and went on to greatness? So, you know, we've had – I think Jay Frosch was probably the biggest surprise for, for me. We knew that he was going to play on Sunday coming out of high school, but I didn't know. And he was just a guy that, that was just special, great kid, great personality, just a tremendously warm, kind, uh, respectful, humble guy with all the talent in the world. But, you know, he went on to play, had a great, had a great three- or four-year run with, with the, the, the Texans. And so that was a kid that we were very surprised at. Loved, knew he was going to do well, but really did really passed our expectation when we started working with him. It's got to be satisfying to see, that's for sure. It really is. I think that's the rewarding part about what we get a chance to do. And it doesn't matter if that kid goes on to play in the league or if that kid ends up being a JUCO All-American or gets the chance to just live their dream of playing in college. That is the most rewarding part of what we do is getting to help that help that kid make it to that next level, knowing that they may not have if we didn't help them. And that's, uh, that's, that's an important thing. That's a wonderful thing. Let's go behind the scenes. I know there's a lot of travel on the scouting trail. <laughs> what are the must-haves in the car as a scout? Man, let me tell you, you always got to have an iPad with you, right? Or you got to have some kind of device that you can watch video on other than your phone. You got to have, you got to have, hey man, you can't have any Bobo phones, man. You got to have some good phones, whether it be a Samsung or an iPhone. You got to have a, you got to have technology in your, on your, on you at all times. You got to have access to data plans. You got to have access to, to being able to see video and, and have those conversations. Cause that's where the lifeblood is of what we do is the conversations daily with families, with the kids and with the college coaches. So, you know, I always have when I travel, um, I'm always going to have a, my phone. I'm always going to have a, another device, whether it's an iPad or a, or a laptop that we can do a hotspot with so we can watch video. Always going to carry a stopwatch with me somewhere. And if I'm working diamond sports, I'm going to have my pocket radar with me and a clipboard so we can take all the, all the notes we need. So, hey, and a good, hey, great tennis shoes and some sunglasses. <laughs> there you go. So, Maybe a little sunscreen, too, if you're out there. <laughs> no, no doubt. You got to look the part. <laughs> and finally, I'm a foodie. So what would be one legendary place and meal from your alma mater, Ole Miss? Oh, man, a legendary place or meal from the Auburn Where, where are we going? If I'm down there with you, we're at Ole Miss, okay, we're in Oxford. Look, you got, understand, it's been, a, it's been a minute since I've been on campus at Ole Miss because when our son came through several years ago on the recruiting side, and then he went on to play at Jacksonville State University, uh, FCS Division One, and because they were, you know, they're year in and year out, a, you know, opportunity to, to play for a 
national championship sure. we had that time with him. So it's been probably it's probably been nine, ten years since I've stepped foot on campus at Ole Miss. So, but I'm gonna tell y'all something. Let me tell y'all there was a there, back in the day, okay, back in the day there was a place called the Gin, and it was just a place downtown off the square that just had all kind of. It was just a place to hang out and eat. And then other than that, there was a place called Starnes Catfish, baby, out on the lake. Ooh. And uh, those two places, you could go find yourself a meal and just get lost in the ambiance of Ole Miss and just really enjoy being there. Now, that late-night trip, that late-night trip after the ball game was over with and all the restaurants were closed, sure. there was the old Chevron station at the corner of, of, of uh, Old Highway 6 and <laughs> University Boulevard. And that bad boy had the best cheeseburgers and the best chicken fingers that would run 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they had some nice ladies in the back back there that just cooked it all the time for you. So it didn't matter what you had. You could go to the gin, you could go get catfish out on, on at Snarns, or you could go get the, the Chevron burger with, with the whole uh, chicken, chicken and fries. You'd be set up for life, man. Wow. Anytime, anywhere. I love it. You know, I do want to say one thing about about where we are today in our culture and, and the world we live in. Okay. Number one, I want to tell people this, especially our young people, our athletes out there. Guys, work hard, play the game because you love it, and, 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 and put every effort into this thing. But understand that the game itself will come to an end, and it's going to be the education that you got from it that's going to be able to build you for the future. The next piece of it is this, words of wisdom. Treat everybody the way you really want to be treated yourself. Amen. And if you'll just treat everybody else the way you really want to be treated, it's amazing how everybody in the world can get along a whole lot better. We've been speaking with Coach Robert Cagle, VP and National Scouting Director for the National Scouting Report. Thanks for joining me, Coach. Chris, thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of, of your program and what you guys have got going on. And, you know, I think uh, the opportunity to always reflect back and share days gone by and also where we are today with, with recruiting. Love Chris, it. Thank you so much for having me, my friend. I really appreciate the opportunity to share life stories and real life recruiting with you guys. Thanks for listening to the Believe in College Football Legends podcast. Make sure to check out all the prior episodes with Heisman winners, legendary coaches, and sports personalities reliving the greatest plays. You can tweet your questions at the Sports Jesus and join us next week because it will be legendary. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.